welcome back to the Gridiron Gang podcast. Week 6 review show. We're here to recap all the game action that just took place this last week. Thank you once again for joining us to our loyal viewers. Welcome back yet again. Going to kick us off right away, Jesse, going into the Dallas Cowboys, LA Chargers, Monday Nighter, 2017 for the Cowboys. I, I got to tell you, this this game, even though there weren't many turnovers in the game, it just felt like neither team brought their A game to this one, Jesse. Yeah, it was a really sloppy play all around by both teams. A ton of pre-snap penalties, whether that was illegal shifts, hold uh, holding, false starts, delay of game, all of that. I mean, I think the Cowboys, they finished with 11 penalties for uh, 85 yards. And to walk away with a W without committing that many penalties kind of just shows you that the Chargers were equally as sloppy. And I'm just going to run off a quick stat. And uh, this kind of shocked me when I saw it. But uh, Justin Herbert... You know, both we're both pretty big fans of him. You know, he went to University of Oregon, which is my favorite school, and I know he's one of your favorite players. And so this is pains me to say this, but he has now 13 career interceptions in the fourth quarter of one-score games. That's the most INTs thrown uh, with the game on the line by anyone since he entered the league in 2020, and it's five more than the next quarterback on the list, Eli. Yeah, and it's it's wild to think about with a guy with that much talent like Justin Herbert, and I was just going to say it was almost like deja vu from earlier in the season, which we saw Herbert with opportunities to win the game late in games, down a field goal, down whatever, and leading a drive to win the game yet again and turning the ball over yet again in crunch time, and it was really deflating, man. You could just see the whole wind come out of the sails in the entire stadium for the whole la chargers fans which that was maybe shake, like right? yeah that, that one that one lady i was gonna say so that that was a big deflation for her personally but what a representation of the fans like maybe one out of 40 uh, that that showed up were rooting for the chargers like the noise on that final drive when the chargers had the ball was something that you would expect away teams to be doing against you not from your home stadium so it's that that hurts also for a guy like herbert like you know He's such a talent, and it's almost like he never plays any home games with this fan base, and that's that's a shame. That's a big shame for that team. Yeah, it's tough to have a team in L.A., especially moving to L.A. from another location. The Rams kind of deal with the same thing. It's almost always an away game, especially when you have big franchises uh, playing there, like the Cowboys, Steelers, Packers, Niners, etc. But uh, a pretty good bounce-back game for the Cowboys' defense. They harassed Justin Herbert all night. They only had one sack, and it was on the second last play by Mika Parsons. But Cowboys, Once again, that was deja vu back to the Dolphins game in the second week, too. It's right? like the, yeah. the pocket kept collapsing, two sacks to end the game there, and it was almost like you saw the exact same thing happen. Exactly. And once again, like you said, Mika Parsons. Game changer, game record, closer, all of those things. The Cowboys now lead the entire NFL. The Cowboys' defense now leads the entire NFL with 89 QB pressures. Uh, through, what, six games now? Yeah, that's so a ton of pressure. That's pretty crazy. You know, they don't lead the league in sacks, but that's definitely, uh, pressures are important. I mean, you just looked at, like we just said, uh, they only got one sack that game, but Herbert was under pressure all night when he had to roll out right, made him kind of, made the clock go off on his head early. He missed Keenan Allen twice um, on wide open deep shots, double moves. You know that those are plays that they put in in practice all week. They dialed those up for big chunk plays and, yeah, I thought it was honestly one of the worst games I've ever seen Herbert play, uh, given the magnitude of the game, prime time, all of the above, Eli. Yeah, and pressure creates panic, panic creates mistakes, and we saw a whole bunch of mistakes from Justin Herbert. It was like 
shocking show the throws you just see him making time and time again in his sleep like overthrowing Keenan Allen even delaying the throw to uh, Austin Eckler for the walk-in touchdown I mean you get that out quick he's just tapping into the end zone toe tapping in there it was really crazy to witness like I didn't really understand how he was processing at certain moments of that game and it was largely a game where like you said a lot of pressure and no no run game as well too when you Again, have no Dak Prescott leading the way on both teams with 40 rush yards I mean that's that's a that's a knock on both teams that's absolutely alarming and yeah sadly for me I was going against Dak Prescott in fantasy and yeah up a bunch of points JP call you out on Fucker. that one he got you fucked me over on that one big time but either way a loss is a loss and a win's a win for the Cowboys and they ultimately walked away with a really big win it's a big difference going into a bye week four and two as opposed to three and three when you're in the same uh division as Philadelphia yeah and uh a really nice bounce back game from Dak Prescott he took a lot of scrutiny after uh last week's primetime performance where they got hammered by the 49ers I thought this was, uh, at least in my opinion, I thought this was his best game of the year. Um, what we saw from him that we haven't seen in a long time was he used his legs not only on in running, but to break out of the pocket, break out of a couple sacks. He had that one where he broke out of the sack and he hit Pollard, who who took it for a bunch of yak after, which kind of set them up on their, their final touchdown there. Um, but yeah, lack of run game by both teams. Um, you know, Tony Pollard, uh, there's a lot of hype for him coming in as a lead back, and he's just... From, from my opinion, I don't think he's built to be an everyday, every down back. I don't think he's quite a, as effective in that role. Um, and this is something I kind of have been thinking about for a while. I would love to see them maybe sign like a Leonard Fournette, a bigger back, and, and have him be the bell cow so they can get uh, Tony Pollard back in that change of pace role where he was just so effective the last few years. But he also just, he doesn't quite look the same coming off that broken, I think it was he had broke his fibula in the playoff game last year. And he just doesn't have that same juice, that same motor that he had the last few years. So I don't know if he's, you know, still working his way back to 100% uh, health, but just something uh, to monitor and, you know, see Lamb. Maybe he wants to get in on that uh, 7-Eleven collab, you know, always open. Yeah, and I like you say with Tony Pollard, I think in years past on that play where Pe- uh, Prescott escaped pressure there and found him, when he, when he had the open space, we probably would have seen him get to the end zone yeah. there. So that is definitely something to keep an eye on for the Cowboys and some backs just are not built to take overwhelming workloads and he's not a big back yeah yeah he's not he's not the biggest guy and like you say he seems to be so much more effective in years past in that uh change of pace role behind Zeke so yeah there are options going into the break as well for the trade deadline for the Cowboys they have like you say Leonard Fournette there's a few other names circling out there as well that they might take yeah they might they there is there is rumors that Henry is looking to move to a contender at some point this year so we'll we'll keep an eye on that for the Cowboys potentially as I already alluded to they have a bye week coming up this week and the LA Chargers it's not going to be a easy bounce back for them going to Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs next week so that'll be a very difficult game for them to try to get back on track with there uh another primetime game that we had was the New York Giants and the Buffalo Bills and Man, I mean, four, 14 to 9 for Buffalo in this one. And I got to say, they got really lucky to walk away with a win in this game. They did not have their best. And it took two fuck ups on the goal line from the Giants in both sides of either half to not walk away with a win in this game. Like, the first one was like honestly alarming with about 14 seconds left and no timeouts. And they're calling a run play. 
from the one yard line and to not even walk away with a field goal there, Jesse, that was a huge momentum shift going into halftime. Like that was an ultimate fuck up. I can't yeah. even really. And, and after the game, Brian Dayball said like it was a, it was a run action pass and that Tyrod, he kind of just totally threw Tyrod Taylor under the bus and said he alerted into a run play and you don't really see coaches. They kind of usually just eat that themselves. And for him to just throw his player under the bus like that, I think that was kind of, I've never really seen that before. It's very immature. And it kind of speaks to the culture of where this team stands right now. After that huge hype they had coming into this year from a very good season last year, as a head coach, I believe your job is to take ultimate responsibility for the failures of your players in positions like that, on big moments, you don't throw players under the bus. Even if they are in the wrong, you don't do that. You either deflect the question, deflect the answer, whatever it might be. That's not something you want from your head coach and a leader of a team to do. No, 100%. And uh, yeah, you know, the Bills, they really struggled on offense for most of the game. I mean, besides like, you know, that one magic play where Josh Allen rolled out of the pocket and found his, uh, I don't even know who it was, a third string tight end because Kincaid was out. And he threw it to that guy before he was even, like, before he was even looking (laughs) for the ball. Quinton Morris. Quinton Morris, right? Yeah, Yeah, and, like, that was just an insane Never heard of that name before that night, yeah. And I don't even think, uh, like, I don't think anybody else in the NFL can make that throw. I don't even think Patrick Mahomes can make that throw. That was a great play by Josh Allen, but it just shows you, like, Without that guy's magic, this is a pretty basic offense. You know, Stefan Diggs had like 10 catches over 100 yards. Nobody else had like more than three catches, more than six targets. They desperately need someone else to step up. Again, your boy Gabe Davis hit or miss like you've been saying all year. He shows up so like at one in every four games and they need someone more consistent like that. And uh, I I do think like James Cook he had a good he had a good game, 14 carries like 71 yeah, yards. Yeah, I was I was surprised they didn't get more cook involved in that offense because he was running with ease at times and they just did not go to the run game even though they were struggling at large times with the passing game even even Latavius Murray had 4.4 yards per carry like I I yeah they sometimes they just get like Ken Dorsey gets way too carried away and and quits on the run game too early and that just puts extra pressure on Josh Allen and it's easy to do when you have a talent like Josh Allen to get caught up in what he's capable of doing but when you see the plays and like the 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 way that this game was shaping up it's not like they ever were in a position where they had to force anything like they it was never out of hand they were down six for most of the game in the first half going into the fourth quarter as well so it's kind of odd to me the way that this uh, play calling shaped up in this one, for sure. And I don't know if you saw, like, obviously, Brian Dayball probably, like, Wink Martindale's a great defensive coordinator for the Giants, and Brian Dayball, being the offensive coordinator for a few years in Buffalo, obviously probably knows, like, what, what Josh Allen's good at, what he kind of struggles with. So I'm sure that game, that had something to do with their game plan defensively. He kind of knows Josh Allen, like, they they literally left the stadium together. Like, they're pretty tight. But I don't know if you saw after the game the handshake between Sean McDermott and Brian Dable. I mean, it just looks like these two hate each other. And, and it's kind of weird because, you know, he, the, he was the offensive coordinator there for three years and they had so much success. Uh, just thought that was kind of weird. Definitely some tension, for sure. Right? Yeah, uh, very apparent, absolutely. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that was honestly, like, as as big of a win it was for Buffalo, it's even a bigger loss for the Giants because their season's effectively over at this point, sitting at one and five after six weeks. That was like almost like a must, like just to stay alive oh, relatively yeah. in any way, shape, or form. They had to win that, and 
they had every opportunity to. So that's a that's a big blow for this Giants who might even have some contemplations going forward about how to start losing games going forward here and trying to get themselves set up for a potential high draft pick going into next year. And I just want to shout out uh, Bobby O'Karake. He had a freaking whale of a game. He was everywhere making plays, tipping balls that were intercepted, forcing fumbles, tackles for loss. I mean, he had an absolute whale of a game. He was really impressive, Eli. Yeah, no, he, he was sensational. He stood out throughout the majority of that game. That's a great point that you make there. Um, I also want to say, like, I don't know. The Giants might be better straight up with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback. Like, talent-wise, I think Daniel Jones has more talent, but Tyrod Taylor doesn't turn the ball over the way Daniel Jones does. And, you know, yeah, that boneheaded shit at the end of the half, but that aside, like... That comes without playing for a exactly. lot, too. Like, those are things that, like, you, you got to work out the rust. Like maybe even. don't call a run-action yeah. pass with your back In the first place, right? right? Yeah, right. like, take a yeah. shot, take two shots yeah. at the end zone, take the field goal, whatever yeah. whatever it is. Like, you, you got to know that as well as Brian Dable, like you pointed out. Um, yeah, that's something to think about, but I don't really think they can think about Obviously after, contract, after giving that yeah. bag to him like that. So, I mean, but yeah, I thought to me for sure, especially with Saquon Barkley, he looked a lot more comfortable even running with Tyrod Taylor than he has through like more of the weeks that he's played this yeah. season with uh, Daniel Jones operating under center. But yeah, I, I don't know. The Giants have a lot of problems. Uh, they're taking on the Commanders at home next week, and I, I mean, must season-saving win for them at any type of point or maybe even like I said start keeping one eye on the future there and whatever you know yeah. at the end of the year someone's gonna have a high pick Do you, you know? think the Giants if they're in position for one of those quarterbacks they go and take one and just kind of eat the contract with DJ or what I, th- I think I think they'll have an opportunity to take one of those highly ranked qu- quarterbacks whoever it might be wherever they might be in the draft pick coming forward and um even if they don't eat the contract on Daniel Jones like for him to maybe sit one or two years because I don't think we see that enough anymore in the NFL like a lot of these kids come in out of college now and they face intense pressure right away and some kids are ready for that jump and some need that time to develop and I think I think the time is a good thing and I think in a system where you could kind of learn where where the nuances are and how how they want the offense to be operated that's not the worst case scenario for some people especially people who are coming up with a lot of hype like Caleb Williams it might not be good to throw someone like that in the fire right away if he ends up going there that guy's got such an ego I couldn't see him even I feel like if there was a chance where he would get drafted by a team that he would sit he would just go back to college you know yeah (laughs) Yeah, all these reports coming out on this guy yeah it's it's kind of of polarizing for me personally yeah it's some very strange reports whether or not they're true that remains to be seen but yeah from what we're hearing that's some weird stuff coming out about him for sure and it's the Bills taking on the Patriots next week and I mean that's they, a get-right game. Yeah, they, they can't be feeling much more confident going into there in New England with everything going on with that team right now, too. So they got to be feeling pretty good after somehow scraping out a win in this one, Jesse. Um, yeah, moving along, though, I'll take us to Philadelphia versus the New, York, New York Jets. J-E-T-S, Jets! Uh, this might have been one or two flip a coin for the biggest shock of the week if not the season so far uh 20 to 14 win for the jets and yeah I, I don't even really know where to begin here all i know is that turnovers were a big part of this game we saw jalen hurts throw the three ints we also saw a fumble from deandre swift who's been pretty remarkable so far this year and he was held to only 18 yards on the ground and 10 touches of the 
football rushing. So that that was a huge win for the Jets' defense there. Saw another huge game from A.J. Brown. That's his fourth straight game, over 100 yards receiving. 125. Yeah, another 125-yard performance from him. and uh, No, four straight games over 125. Yeah, that's no, that, that's that's crazy. I mean, he's, put, he's putting up some real numbers right now, and a lot of people were kind of like really hammering him at the start of the year too, saying how underwhelming he was playing. So that's, that's some big games in a row for him, but it wasn't enough to overcome this Jets team, man. This Jets team that was missing two of their starting cornerbacks, they, they came together big time defensively and made a statement. Yeah, and I just want to continue on that, the run game struggles for the Eagles in this game. For weeks one to five, the Eagles averaged 36 carries a game for 164 yards per game. And uh, this game against the Jets, they had 22 carries for 80 yards. And a lot of those were kind of just scrambles by Hertz, you know, like not even actual run plays. I thought they gave up way too early on the run. And they just decided, like, you know, with these corners being out for the Jets, that they were just going to be able to throw the ball all over. And, uh, you know, we kind of talked about it. We don't, neither one of us really thinks that Jalen Hurts is there yet as a straight drop back passer. Kind of saw when uh, the run game isn't going and, and he can't utilize the play action over the middle that he really struggled in this game with the three picks. Um, one of the worst games he's played uh, in the last two years for sure. And, uh, yeah, I can't say enough good things about that Jets uh, defense, especially their front uh, four, the rotating guys they have between Quinn and Williams in the middle. They have John Franklin Myers, Bryce Huff. Um, Jermaine Johnson is emerging as a real superstar in his second year. You know, uh, one of the interceptions, he got a pressure on uh, Jalen Hurts and hit his arm while he threw it, and that led to an interception. So they were harassing him uh, the whole game. And, uh, yeah, Hurts is now 3-7. and seven. Uh has a three wins, seven losses when pressured uh, for in over 40% of his dropbacks. He was pressured, I think, 42% this game. So if you can get pressure against him, he really seems to struggle, and that seems like the best way to kind of beat them. But overall, I thought the play calling, giving up on the run was not like not a smart move for the Eagles. And I just think with Shane Steichen losing him as the OC, their offense just doesn't seem quite as creative. Like last year, nobody could stop them offensively, whether it was running, passing, and this year they just they seem to go through lulls in the game. And I also kind of question um, the Eagles for letting Brees Hall score at the end there. Um, you yeah, because that looked like a classic, like just don't touch him and let him walk in. Play. What it was, and uh, you know, at that point in the game. The, the Jets had, what, one touchdown or something like that? Two touchdowns, maybe? And if they just stop them there and they kick a field goal... Um, you could win the game with a with field, the field goal. goal. Still, yeah. and, and, you know, it's not like the like the Eagles were scoring relentlessly all game. They only had 14 points, so it's not... Like, I, I kind of question Nick Sirianni there. I think you kind of go with your defense, try to stop him, and, and then have uh, Jalen Hurts and company go down, and you only need, what, like four... That's a couple throws to A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, and you're in field goal range, you know? Yeah, it's a different it's a different pressure situation at the end of the game, knowing you have to score a touchdown as opposed to, like you say, just getting that opportunity to let your kicker win the game. So, yeah, I found that very odd, too, especially against a Jets team led by Zach Wilson, who... You know, we've we've seen him have troubles turning the ball over in big situations before, and yeah, he did it last week. Yeah, he, yeah, he did it last week as well. So I mean, yeah, that was that was highly questionable for me. Like I, I think you trust that defense in that situation. Once again, you got plenty of time to let Jalen Hurts get to like the 40, 30 yard line for an opportunity. Yeah, that's at the did. very least, right? So, yeah, no, I, that that was kind of baffling. But yeah, k- kudos to the Jets and. 
the aforementioned Zach Wilson because he did lead them to a win yet again. That's I mean, it hasn't looked good, but that's two wins in a row now he's, for the Jets, right? He's managing so, the game pretty well. I and mean, we saw Aaron Rodgers pregame already standing, no crutches, no walking boot. I mean, this is some crazy stuff that Aaron Rodgers is doing behind the scenes to be putting himself even in the position. Like, that pregame is, like, I'm gonna absolutely put a, wild. I'm going to put my tinfoil hat here and just, I think Aaron Rodgers, you know, knowing this guy and the egomaniac that he is, <laughs> I could totally see this guy not even fully tearing his Achilles and them just going along with like that. You, this guy's an actual psychopath. So, you know, just just keep that in mind. You know, he's he's in a dark room. He loves the darkness. He loves to create the darkness yeah, to find the light yet again. Ayahuasca, he's <laughs> yeah. listening to dolphins bang. Like yeah. the guy's a psycho. Yeah, the guy's a crazy guy. And that was a game of a couple firsts too. That was the first loss of the season for the Philadelphia Eagles and the first win all time for the Jets franchise against the. Philadelphia Eagles as well. What are so, they, 1 in 12 now? Yeah, 1 in 12 all time. So they're clawing back to 500 slowly, <laughs> slowly and surely. Maybe in the next century they'll get to yeah. 500. We'll see. And I want to shout out Quincy Williams. Another banger game from the middle linebacker. I mean, the Urban Meyer cut this guy two years ago. Third round pick, cut him as a rookie. And they found Talk gold. about egos. They found gold Urban with this Meyer, kid. Man. Yeah, they found gold with this kid. I mean, he's one of the fastest linebackers uh, in the in the game, he's all over the place. Um, yeah, I just wanted to shout him out. He really pops on the tape. Yeah, and shout out to the always humble uh, Salah as well, saying that they're embarrassing quarterbacks one game at a time. That was a pretty wild comment yeah. to make from a head coach. It was almost like they won the Super Bowl after this game. Did you see how him hyped, How hyped they were with the GM Dude. jumping, Yo, you saw, yeah, jumping exactly. into him like a four-year-old oh kid that God. just scored a game-winning goal and used soccer or something. It was like an absolutely wild for, scene. For a guy telling my, my dog Sean Payton to stay humble, you know, a Super Bowl-winning coach, this guy needs to chill out just a tad bit, okay? Yeah, the like, humble pie can go around yeah. to a lot of places, that's for sure. But it, no, nonetheless, that's a big Two wins in a row heading into a yeah. bye week Good for the Jets. They're back on track now at this point. They got to feel really, really sauce. good. They should trade sauce. Yeah, I mean, it's not, yeah, it's no surprise that that win came with him not in the lineup. I had, a, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe not going to happen with him in there. Uh, and Philly's going to be in a huge Sunday Woo, nighter next baby. week. Really exciting fu- fucking Sunday nighter finally this finally year. Finally getting a banger prime Miami prime Dolphins, Philadelphia Eagles in Philly. That should be a crazy atmosphere for that one. So that's one to really keep an eye on for next week. Philly's going to want to get back on track right away there, and it won't be easy to Hoping do so. Hoping Darius Slay can play so we can get that matchup with Tyreek Hill. That big play Slay. You know he's always looking for it. Um, Arizona, L.A., it's pretty straightforward. Not a lot that needs to be said about this one. 26-9 win for the Rams. And this was just largely dominated by the ground attack for the LA Rams in this game. Kieran Williams rushing for 158 yards and a touchdown on 20 carries. Unfortunately, there's question marks on his uh, injury status going forward now. That was, he's had a great year for them. He's had a really big year. Cooper Cup, he just continues to literally look like he hasn't even missed any time whatsoever seven catches 148 yards another touchdown uh this was kind of close for a little while the and then half, yeah. yeah and then the rams really just put their foot on the gas and said enough is enough we're not going to even allow this to be a contest for the end of this game so ended up being a very relatively easy win for them at the end jesse yeah, and the craziest part about that is uh, Kyron Williams had four yards in the first half, so <laughs> 154 yards in the second half. From the second, from the second, the the whistle blew to start the second half, 
the Rams just came out with the run game. They, they out-physicaled the Cardinals, and they just really ran it down their throats. And uh, Matthew Stafford's making some of the damnedest throws you can see every single week. He might not have the greatest stats all the time, but hes I don't think there's anybody in the league throwing the ball better than him right now. The way he's moving in that pocket, they don't have a good O-line. And he's moving around in the pocket. He's using his feet. He's throwing some crazy balls through tight windows. Still got one of the best arms in the league. And it's really I'm really happy to see that. They're a fun team to watch. They're a gritty team. They're well coached. I think Sean McVay has just proven that he's one of like the five best coaches in the league. I really do think that because that team is not littered with talent. And there's a lot of guys that mid-round draft picks that they have developed into really good players like Ernest Jones and uh, even Puka Nakua, you know, fifth-round pick as a rookie. He's he's doing really good. Cooper Cup was a third-round pick. Like Another rookie, Byron Young, we talked about. He leads the rookies in pressures. Yeah, according to the next-gen stats, he leads all rookies with 25 pressures. You know? And he had another sack and a forced yeah. fumble in this game. Yeah, another huge game and he, for him. He's a, he's a Gridiron Gang podcast guy, you know. We shouted him out in the preview pod. So, that's know, right. We that's love right. to see we, that. We love when we hit aces <laughs> like that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Speaking of aces, uh, news that broke just a little while ago. McCole Hardman, we just touched on this last week. Jesse brought it up. Don't be surprised to see that boy show up in the Chiefs again. And yet, here we are. Yep. Going right back to Arrowhead, right back to yep. Chiefs Kingdom. And uh, yeah, also don't be surprised to see him being one of the top receivers on the depth chart right away I because he knows the offense. He has electric mobility. He has good chemistry with Mahomes. He's had big plays with Mahomes in the past already he's a speed demon demon and uh i think we all know at this point how important speed is in offense especially in offense where rasheed rice Kadarius tony they've had tons of drop issues they're both near the tops of the league with drops right so yeah look for that to be integrated there just to touch on that since we were talking about pre-calls also while we're on this subject a little bit more breaking news frank clark is taking a physical with the kansas city chiefs tomorrow so look for him to maybe return uh also to the chiefs as they're gearing up for their playoff run well looking looking for old school vibes eh? bringing back some familiar faces the best part is is he just got cut by denver and the chiefs play the broncos next Sunday so look for him to get speaking off. of getting cut by De- uh, Denver we saw Randy Gregory instantly get a sack yeah. in his first yeah. game for San Francisco I'm okay dude. with that dude. we got good young pass rushers you know <laughs> fuck these old heads bro especially Frank Clark this guy's bitching about snap counts he missed three games with a torn groin and then he played 11 snaps and he's like why, why are they playing more snaps buddy get the fuck out bud I'll see you next Sunday when Garrett Bulls pancakes you boy yeah, any- yeah I owe oh, you boy any- <laughs> Anyway, you like Apple. <laughs> yeah. All right, back to the Rams Cardinals. Um, today also, you know, Kyler, uh, Kyler Murray and Buda Baker, they just um, opened their 21-day window to return. So look for them to get uh, – they're probably their two best players back in the next couple of games here. Kyler Murray was already ruled out for this week. So we'll get to see the young gunslinging Joshua Dobbs again, who's really struggled since we said he hasn't thrown an interception. He really He's thrown multiple yeah. Yeah. <laughs> since then. So yeah. He's really, really not looked good since then. And also, miss, they're missing James Conner in a big way, too. I mean, he was a very big focal point to allow Joshua Dobbs to be a little more complacent and relaxed in that offense, too. And now they don't really have that run game to rely on now. No, exactly. And now Sean McVay moves to 12-2 and all-time versus Arizona. So, you know, again, just great coach, dominates Arizona, dominated Cliff Kingsbury, sent him out of the league, and uh, now he's dominating uh, <laughs> 
John Gannon. Cliff Kingsbury still somewhere out in Thailand, and we don't know if he's ever destined to return. Like we'll, we'll keep we'll keep an eye on Cliff Kingsbury's uh, well-being going forward. Um, yeah, so it's the Arizona Cardinals next week against the Seattle Seahawks divisional matchup there in Seattle, and um, the LA Rams are they on a they're not on a bye week are they? Who, no, they're taking Pittsburgh on Pittsburgh. Series. That's yeah. right in LA, and that'll probably be a very uh, feisty matchup game, again. Yeah. Yep, yeah. yeah. Those are two teams where they're gonna scrap for whatever they get. That's for sure. Um, speaking of scrapping, they bring that mentality. Dan Campbell brings that mentality to the Detroit Lions yes, against sir. the Tampa Bay Bucks. Yes, sir. It's a very big statement win for the Detroit Lions, twenty to six, and this is a game where Jameer Gibbs was already ruled out. They ended up losing David Montgomery, I believe, at the end of the second quarter in this one. Yep. No run game to speak of whatsoever, but you got the gunslinger. You got Jared Goff taking the reins, taking control, and saying, I could just straight up win this game, coach, and that's what I'll go do. Yeah, we call him California Ken around here because that kid just does it, man. He did it at the University of California. He did it on the LA Rams, and now he's doing it with the Detroit Grit out in Motor City. So good for him, man. He's shutting all the haters up like myself. Always thought he was a mid-tier QB. And uh, I confidently say that he's a top seven guy. He's not top five for me, but he's top seven, okay? Playing really good. And Dan Campbell's just doing doing really special things with this team uh, in his third year. Um, they're in Jared Goff's last 17 games. They're 13, or sorry, last 16 games. They're 13 and three. He's got 29 touchdowns to four interceptions and over 4,400 passing yards. So, that, Video game numbers, yeah, man. Yeah, that backs up his play, and it, these are aggressive throws. This ain't like how he was manufacturing screens and and jet little jet tosses in L.A. He's being aggressive, as you saw it on that like 45, 50 yard bomb to Jamo Williams, Williamson, who's uh you know he's just one of the fastest kids in the league, and it's good to see him out there after uh you know getting caught gambling and. Hopefully he can uh, turn that around and, and keep a good head on his shoulders because he's a difference maker for them. And I just want to shout out Craig Reynolds, man. On that touchdown that Amara St. Brown had, this the, the third-string running back, Craig Reynolds, he came out of freaking nowhere and absolutely floored Carlton Davis on a block that allowed Amara St. Brown to score. I mean, I, I literally jumped out of my sofa watching that. I mean, I couldn't believe that. Those are the kind of guys that Dan Campbell loves. That's why he's on the team. He's, he's a great team player, and I just thought that was really impressive. And I really don't know what to make of the Tampa Bay Bucks. I mean, they're now 3-2 and two coming off the bye. They got absolutely worked at home. Um, they haven't really beaten a good team. You know, they've beaten the Bears. They've beaten the Vikings. Uh, I don't even – who was it? They beat the Saints, right? I question why Tampa Bay let Leonard Fournette walk away from this team when they – have no effective run game to speak of yeah. whatsoever. And yeah. they don't have a physical presence to set any tone from a run game perspective. I mean, Rash- Rashad team, White is a type of guy who could change the pace up. He's yeah. the type of guy who could find these little holes or use them in swing routes, whatever, exactly. motion. you got to get a guy who could hammer people and run people over as as a running back. And Leonard Fournette is that guy. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand why they let him go right now. I That's to- a big question. I totally agree with you. And Baker Mayfield, uh, he's one of the better play-action passers in the NFL, and he could really benefit from a good run game. I mean, that's what made him so effective in, like, two out of his four good years in, in Cleveland. And, yeah, you know, they were, like, I think, I believe they were 2-12 and 12 on third down, um, Tampa was in this game, and 
coming into the game, they were like the best third down team. Baker was the best third down quarterback. So Detroit really stifled them on defense. Um, their defense has just improved. They were like 31st ranked last year and their top 10 unit this year, top 10 offense too. Um, I really think that they're the second best team in the NFC now. You know, I still think San Fran's the best, but I really, I've been really impressed with the Detroit Lions. Can't really find a weakness in their game. I mean, they're a really balanced team on both sides of the ball. Dan Campbell's a great coach. Ben Johnson's a great offensive coach. Aaron Glenn's a great defensive coordinator. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, this was a, the weird thing that struck me after looking at all the stats at the end of the game was this was almost 40 to 20 minutes in time of possession in favor of Detroit. And they, I believe they ran the ball for a combined 40 yards yeah. between five different runners. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't really know how you have that much of the ball without even running it in this game. So it was a weird game, and they, they just dominated in terms of possession and defense. Like, they, their defense is flying right now, man. Yeah. Like, he's got these boys absolutely flying around out there. Everyone's making plays. Everyone, even in tackles where they don't need to be involved, you're seeing them come in and get that touch and get Game those guys down. Man. Like, they're all flying at each other, and it's been super impressive. And now they're tied with four other teams for the best record in the NFL after six weeks, man. And I don't, like... You know, there was a lot of hype for them heading into the year, and I thought maybe they would they wouldn't be able to keep up with that pressure. And I just, I I was totally wrong on that. You know, they look like they're one of the best teams in the league. They're no longer a playoff team in my eyes. They're an absolute Super Bowl contender. Um, like we said, Jared Goff's playing really good football. Uh, I think Jameer Gibbs should be back this week, so hopefully he can add another explosive element. Um, I still want to see them get him going with outside runs, like what Miami does with uh, Devon Chain. Uh, I think they run him up the middle a little bit too much, but I'll hopefully can, we can see him blossom a little bit if Montgomery has to miss a bit of time, Eli. Yeah, they're going to at least want one of those two backs, especially for next week against the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. That'll be a, another great matchup. We just saw Baltimore get back on track this week as well, so that that's going to be a good good game between two good teams right there in that one, and divisional matchup for the Bucks next week against Atlanta Falcons at home, and I mean, this this is a huge game in this division. It really is because this division is up for grabs right now. Anyone could take it, and you're going to want to make a statement. Except for the Panthers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they could still take it. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> this division is dog shit. They, uh, everyone has a chance. They could win this division under 500 this year. So. They could. Yeah, <laughs> this is a real, real big game for both teams in that one. Uh, okay, what, what do we got next on the docket? New England Patriots against the uh, Las Vegas Raiders in Vegas. This, I really don't think it could get any worse, but it somehow did. 21-17 win for Vegas in this one. And yeah, just like I said, right right when you really think things can't get worse for the fabled Patriots and the fabled coach, Bill Belichick, he loses to his former protege coach, Josh McDaniels, offensive coordinator there for a long time, his former quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm pretty sure Brian Hoyer was in New England Jacoby for a while. Myers. Jacoby Myers. So yeah, just when you think think things can't get any worse, it really did. They're one in five. This is like shocking for Bill Belichick's legacy, for his stature of this club, for a winning mentality of this club. And yeah, it's. A, I don't really know where they go from here. I I think they want to go further down from here, to be completely honest with you at this point, because it's being very evident at this point that things need to change in a big way throughout this entire team, starting with Mac Jones, 
and following through with all the receivers and playmakers because they don't really have any right now at all. I don't even think they have one. Um, yeah, this this offense stinks out loud. I mean, there's just nothing good. To, they don't put anything good on tape. Uh, Mac Jones had another horrible interception where he rolled out right. He had Hunter Henry wide open, completely missed him. Uh, I think Hunter Henry's lucky he didn't tear his ACL trying to catch that ball. I mean, it was a horrific throw. Tony Romo called it a horrendous throw on the broadcast. And for Tony to say something negative, you don't, you don't, he's usually captain positive when he's commentating. So yeah, that's not a good sign. Offense is just so fucking hard for this team. I mean, even in the fourth quarter, their touchdown drive was a 17 play, 75 yard drive. There's no explosive plays. Everything's a dogfight. Um, this was the first game all year the Raiders uh, technically scored over 20 points. Uh, and they had 19 points on offense. And Mac, Ma, uh, Max Crosby had to sack to close the game out for those two points to put him over 21 with a supposed offensive guru head coach. So uh, Max Crosby's an absolute closer, game wrecker. We say it week in and week out. Another sack for him. Incredible player. And uh, I don't really... Th- I mean, Jimmy G, he went to the hospital at halftime with a, some sort of back issue. Uh, he didn't practice today on, on Wednesday, October 18th. So that's not a good sign for him to play this weekend. Um, but other than that, there's not a whole lot to take away from this game. It was a dog shit game. The Raiders somehow are 3-3. Three and three. They're going to somehow... <laughs> I don't even understand that. They're going to somehow stay, stay in the wild card race just long enough for Josh McDaniels to keep his job, which... <laughs> As a Broncos fan, it's great because he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, other than that, though, I don't have too much more to add on to this game. Eli, it's really not a whole lot to talk about. It's not really often when a game is as close as 21 to 17 that you could be more bored even talking about yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like, this was just a terrible football game between two horrible football teams at the end of the day. And like you say, I have no idea how this Raiders team is 500 right now. That makes absolutely no sense to me. And They haven't beat a team with a winning... They beat the Broncos, the Packers, and fucking New England. Yeah, and those are three teams that are largely struggling for large points of the season, especially against Green Bay when they had all those injuries when they played against them too. So, yeah, like you say, I I don't know. I don't really have anything to add except for Devontae Adams got absolutely fucking hammered in this game. And I I don't even know if he was, like, out injured for the rest of the game. I had him in fantasy, and he was my worst fantasy producer this week. So that was great. I really, really enjoyed that. I wonder if he's just regretting just getting, like, traded there. I know, like, he grew up a Raiders fan. But, I mean, he had an unbelievable season last year, Um, you know, all pro and all that. And and he's still having a pretty good year this year. But their culture seems whack. It almost just looks like Jacoby Myers is their number one receiver well, at this well, point because he has that pre-chemistry with Jimmy G yeah, already and, too, and right? Jimmy G likes throwing over the middle like we said last week, and that's primarily He doesn't really have the strength to yeah, make those throws exactly. out wide to Devontae Adams, so it kind of, I, I don't know, it limits his utilization in that offense in large parts, and he's just a guy that should really get 12 looks at least every, no, no, no. every game, like 12 targets. So. And Josh Jacobs uh, continues to struggle as the le- as the rushing champ from a year ago. I mean, he, he leads all running backs uh, in receiving yards, which is kind of random. Uh, but, yeah, he's really struggling uh, running the football. I don't know. Like, he obviously didn't look like he was in shape the first few weeks, but their O-line has uh, severely regressed from last year, which is kind of a sh- shocking. And, yeah, I don't really know where this team goes from here. I mean, luckily they play, like, the Bears this week, and, and they're playing that undrafted rookie, Tyler Badgett. So, 
yeah, we'll see. If they <laughs> yeah, they, over, they, they might if, even go over 500. You're right. Well, it's, a, it's gonna. I would assume Aiden O'Connell starts that game, so it might be a game of. Uh, might be. A, it should be another ugly football game, Eli. Yeah, you could bet on that. You could bet I will be watching as little as possible, but I will check the tape afterwards and. I'll be dialed on it because that's just what I do, fam. Yeah, I, 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 I'll, I'll be watching. I'll be watching. Uh, probably my divisional matchup with those Falcons and Bucks yeah, in the morning tomorrow, or, or, or Detroit Baltimore, which will be really exciting as well. Sure. Um, um, yeah, and as we touched on, it's going to be the Pats at home against the Bills, too, and that's not going to get any easier for a very, very struggling football team like the Patriots right now. They they don't even want to be, even though the Bills looked like shit this week, too, that's the last team they want to be looking at right now. Uh, speaking of looking like shit, the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears, as we just touched oh, on, this is a terrible football game <laughs> between two terrible football teams, and it seems to me like I'm saying terrible teams quite often in these first few games here, but there are a lot of them this year. There is a lot of not very good football this year. There's like seven good teams in the league. Min- Minnesota ended up beating the Bears, who ended up losing Justin Fields to a dislocated finger at some point in the near start of this game yeah. in the first half, first I believe, half. and it was a 19-13 win for Minnesota, and Minnesota looked god-awful offensively without Justin Jefferson. They had absolutely no answer where to go with the ball. Cousins looked lost at times, as he tends to do, especially this year, and yeah, the Bears were just equally as bad. I mean, it was it was just bad. It was bad offenses. I guess you could speak to good defense at the same time. Daniil Hunter continues yeah. his torrent pace to start the year. Two more sacks for him. And as you mentioned to me earlier, Jordan Hicks with just a mammoth game for the Vikings too. Yeah, he had a whale of a game. Ten tackles, one interception, one fumble recovery that he returned for a touchdown, which ultimately ended up being the uh, nail in the coffin for the Bears. And you know, another week for the Vikings offense and another fumble lost. I mean, this is getting quite ridiculous. Yeah, it like is. Every single week they're losing one to two to three to four fumbles. Um, That's got to be, I mean, t- it, like for me, that's just on coaching. Like you, you should be like practicing that, hammering that home. I mean, this is absolute Melvin Gordon vibes for me. It's giving me PTSD <laughs> out here. It's ridiculous, man. But yeah, they couldn't get, the Bears couldn't get DJ Moore going, you know. I mean, I would, like, with, with all the running back injuries that they had with Roshan Johnson and Herbert out, I would be lining him up in the backfield, giving him handoffs, lining him up out wide, lining him up in the slot. Just like we see with Debo Samuel and Sam. He Brown. is totally capable of Very doing similar that. type of player. Yeah. He's really good with the ball in his hands. He's really good in space. But, yeah, other than that, you know, the Vikings got the divisional win, um, second win of the year for a team that had 13 wins last year. It's pretty hilarious. How bad they're doing. They couldn't run the ball again. They can't run the ball worth a damn. They literally cannot run the football. No, it's dude. crazy. It's I mean, crazy. they traded for Cam Akers and they're giving the guy a carry a game. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't uh, even get it. Especially when Madison's doing so little, you might as well try something different. At, at this, this point, point, just let Kirk Cousins run it or something. <laughs> oh, you know, this is getting ridiculous out here. But, I mean, let's move on, man. There's not a whole lot to say. <laughs> this was a shit game. This was honestly worse than the Raiders Patriots. It game. somehow <laughs> was. It really somehow was. And uh, who who do the Vikings take on next week? They was play it? San Fran on Monday Night Football, That's so we don't was. know if uh, CMC and Debo will be playing, but I don't even think it matters. Yeah, and like we just mentioned, it's the Bears against the Raiders with most likely two backup uh, quarterbacks playing in that one, so that'll be... Somehow Max Crosby will just win that game <laughs> yeah. by himself. Yeah, um, he has the ability to do that for sure. Um... Okay, this game, I mean, 
from one team was a little bit better at least. Indianapolis versus Jacksonville Jaguars, 37-20 to win for Jacksonville. This was the return for Gardner Minshew against Jacksonville, who drafted him, I believe, way, way back yep. when he first entered the league. Yep. And you got to think he was hoping for this to go a lot differently than it did because he really, really struggled in this one, Jesse. He ended up throwing for over 300 yards, but that was largely due to garbage time and 55 pass attempts. But he also turned the ball over four times in total three of those being interceptions, and that was most likely the difference in this game. Yeah, this game was not competitive at all. I mean, Jacksonville just dominated. Um, The the final score doesn't even reflect on how big of an ass-whooping the Jags gave the Colts. Um, Josh Allen, nine Josh, the real Josh Allen, nine pressures and another sack. He's having an incredible year. I believe this is a contract year for him too, so he's probably going to get absolutely paid after the season. And, uh, you know... Trevor Lawrence, I don't even know why he was in the game at the end of the game, but he, he got like a bit of a knee sprain. He's kind of day-to-day questionable. For yeah, Thursday you should football. definitely take a game off if you ask me. It'd be better for his long-term career to if, sit out this Thursday night yeah. or against the Saints. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Who not? <laughs> yeah, so take it easy, T-Law. You're good, man. The Jags are really dominating right now, though. They got pressure up the middle, which kind of forced uh, Ministry to flutter a couple. Like Some of those interceptions were horrible. Uh, not even spirals, just terrible passes. Um, the, yeah, it's, it kind of stinks, you know, it just got announced that Anthony Richardson is going to be going on having season ending surgery for his, uh, grade three AC joint. So his promising rookie year ends and we're going to have to suffer through Gardner Minshew for the rest of the year for this kind of frisky, talented, young Indianapolis team. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Jags are, are kind of, they're starting to roll a little bit. I mean, defensively, they now lead the league with 15 forced turnovers quietly you know the media is not hyping them hyping that up at all i mean i think quietly they're one of the five best defenses in the league and they're starting to get their offense going led by their run game and uh trevor lawrence um you know i was showing you earlier he was uh he in the beginning of the game he was throwing a lot of hitches to kirk uh sorry not to kirk to the outside receiver while kirk was in the slot and he kind of saw tell uh, one of the indianapolis colts corner was kind of cheating on these hitches and then uh, later on in the game, he uh, pumped one of those hitches and hit uh, Kirk up the seam for a uh, touchdown. And that just shows you for a young quarterback to kind of already be seeing the game at that level is really impressive, Eli. Yeah, no, it really is. And we all know about the incredible talent that Trevor Lawrence possesses as an elite thrower of the ball. But it's also his mind that is not speaked of enough for this team. And um yeah, this, this, like you say, you just touched on it. That's 15 turnovers created by this Jags defense now of leading the league. And that's kind of what you're seeing in these games for them on this. Uh, I think this is a four-game win streak for them now after the start of the year. Is this four in a row or is this three three in a row three for the row, Jags? Right? Yeah, okay, so they were one and two at yeah, the start. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're kind of seeing the defense set the tone in these games for large parts. You're actually not seeing... Like last week, Etienne had his huge breakout game of the season finally, but you are you don't even have to see Trevor Lawrence doing all too much right now for them to be dominating and winning these games. Because no, exactly. even though the score last week too against Buffalo was a little close at the end, that was like a really crazy end to that game where the Jags were pretty dominant coming down the stretch in that one too. And that was led by their defense as well. So yeah, Trevor Lawrence is once again lighting it up when he needs to. He's being very efficient with the football. He's that he's still working on these turnovers, right? We don't want to see him fumbling as much as he has. He didn't fumble in this one, threw a pick, pick though, yeah. threw a pick again. But yeah, as long as Trevor Lawrence continues to see the game like this and limit his turnovers, with this defense flying the way it's flying right now, 
this is one of the best teams in football right now. Yeah, and when you're in as a when you're as a aggressive as a thrower as Trevor Lawrence, you can kind of live with some of the interceptions he throws just because he makes so many game changing, game flipping throws with uh, how powerful his arm is. And yeah, you know, I personally am hoping he does play on Thursday because he's my favorite quarterback in the NFL, and I don't care to see C.J. Beathard on prime time. Yeah, it would be up. just great for him to make sure that knee's okay. So we'll we'll hopefully not be seeing Trevor Lawrence on Thursday night this week against the Saints in New Orleans, might I add. And the Indianapolis Colts, led by Gardner Minshew, next week are going to be taking Uh-oh. on the Cleveland Browns, led by. Most likely P.J. Walker again because no one knows what the hell is going on with Deshaun Watson at this point. Honestly, I don't even think it matters who plays quarterback because that defense is going to shit on the Colts. They're nasty. They're a nasty defense right now. That's a team you don't want to be going up against right now. Uh, Yeah, this game was all about defense, Jesse. Seattle versus the Cincinnati Bengals in a game where... Cincinnati ended up walking away with a 17-13 win, but uh, it started great. It started electric for Cincinnati. They they couldn't put a foot wrong in the first quarter with Joe Burrow uh, and the and the early part of the second quarter, and then it just went quiet, and the Seattle defense really uh, made a statement in this game and largely held that offense in check throughout the remainder of the game, and somehow Cincy grinded it out. Yeah, the Bengals' uh, red zone defense was so impressive. Um, in this game, you know, they, the, the Seahawks couldn't get in the end zone. They had multiple trips in the red zone other than like, uh, well, that first, first drive, I think yeah. the only time they were able to punch it in, in the red zone. But yeah, you know, uh, Cincinnati was generating a ton of pressure on Gino. Um, uh, Gino missed a wide open, uh, Smith, I don't even know how to say it, Smith Jigba. Yeah. Missed a wide open Smith Jigba up the seam where I saw clips of him literally staring at him. And he just didn't pull the trigger. That was pretty wild to watch. That was yeah. So, <laughs> that was that was actually nuts. Because yeah. he in in that clip especially, it looked like he had a lot of time to process what he was looking at there too, and just a refusal to throw the ball. So that was that was perplexing to look at. And like you said, this red zone defense came up big, especially two times in two clutch situations in this game. And it was, uh, I think, B.J. Hill with a huge pressure and a hit on Geno to force an incompletion on fourth and eight from the nine-yard line at the end of the game there with a chance to win the game. So that was a big one. And right before that, the drive before that, before Seattle got that opportunity, it was Sam Hubbard who also sacked Geno Smith on the uh, on the fourth and goal from the six-yard line in that position possession as well so it's kind of weird because if they would have just kicked the field goal on that first possession then maybe they just have to kick the field goal again so i guess Pete carroll was kind of kind of forcing it not knowing if his team was going to get the football back after that first drive when sam hubbard got the sack but yeah this is a game where seattle's gonna really rue their missed opportunities and let feel like they let this one slip away because they were the better team on this oh 100 they outgained the Bengals 384 yards to 214 it was just uh some of those costly turnovers that gino had and the 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 pressure and the red zone that the Bengals were able to create that were the difference here and uh you know uh spoon devin devin witherspoon another big game he had three pass breakups um was kind of hoping he would be on jamar chase a little bit more he was only on him like two or three times held him to zero catches so uh and dk metcalf another terrible uh unnecessary roughness penalty he's got to get his emotions in check man because uh 
It's costly, man. He does it at the worst yeah. times, too. Like where He does it way too often. It's crazy, man. Sometimes it'll just negate a huge gain and send them back. I, I don't know what's going on with that guy, but you you get paid way too much money to be doing stuff like that in this league. Like yeah. that That's childish behavior at this point from DK Metcalf, man. So not the not the greatest performance by the Bengals' offense, but, you know, they were, what, 1-3? and three? They're now 3-3 three and three heading into their bye. They fought they they uh, scrapped it out you know some some tough games and to be 500 heading into the bye Joe Burrow getting healthier and healthier I mean that's pretty big for them as a team they're a team where you know if they get into the playoffs nobody's going to want to play them just from you know they got a lot of playoff experience everybody know Joe Burrow plays his best football in January February so um yeah that's just something to, to, to monitor and also Trey Hendrickson has to be one probably the best free agent signing of the last decade i mean everybody kind of thought he was a one-year wonder with the saints where he had over 12 sacks and you know in his first three years for the Bengals, he's been as advertised worth every single penny they paid him you don't always see that with free agent signings but he's just a relentless pass rusher um easily the best player on their defense and you know probably the third best player on their team honestly yeah he's a game changer man he's a game changer in a big way it sucks that he left the saints but um yeah, this has just been a crazy season for the Bengals because they haven't looked good no, at all, no, except for one game. game yeah. yeah, and I mean, like, they're 3-3, three and three, like you say, with every opportunity to win their division still, which is another division up for grabs. And, yeah, I mean, like you say, if they start getting Joe Burrow healthier, because this is kind of concerning at this point. This is multiple times he's thrown for 100-something yards this year. Yeah. That's, that's not good enough from Joe Burrow, the highest-paid player in NFL history. So... They're going to want to do a lot of self-reflecting, get healthy over this bye week before they come out in week eight again. And Seattle, as we said, is at-home divisional matchup against the Cardinals as well. And so Really quickly before we move on, um, this offense is just begging for somebody, anybody besides Jamar Chase to step up and do something. I mean, it's, Yeah, because it's, it's not T. Higgins right now. It's not now. T. Higgins. You know, Boyd had a touchdown, but he had seven catches for 38 yards. Joe Mixon is not doing a damn thing. Uh, they just need somebody to step up. I mean, they can't just be Jamar Chase doing everything. I mean, he's he's showing that he's going to get paid this offseason. He's he's in the conversation. I mean, he's in the conversation. He's probably top three receiver in the NFL right now with Jefferson and, and Tyreek Hill. I mean, this guy, he's incredible. But if this team wants to go places, they're going to need some of their other playmakers to step up because they – they have a lot of good players on this offense, Eli. It shouldn't just be Jamar Chase, the only guy doing anything. Yeah, and it can't. that's when things get one-dimensional, and that's when things get easier for defenses going up against this team. So, like you say, like that, that goes down to play calling at that point as well and trying to find ways to get these guys more involved and really gain confidence for the other players to step up when they need to step up because... We know Jamar Chase is 7-11. He's open 24-7, whatever you want to say. But you can't throw it to him 24-7, unfortunately. That was a sick 7-11 chain he was rocking. I'll shout that out. Yeah, it was. That was really nice. And speaking of Tyree Kill, Miami took on the Carolina Panthers. And they they felt good. They felt generous. They said, we'll spot you 14 points off the rip. We'll just let you guys feel great for a little bit. And then we'll just put up another 42 because that's what we do. They're, the, they're, they're putting up crazy points this year. That's a 42-21 win for Miami and Tyree Kill yet again. I mean, he he's on a historic pace now this year. He really is. He's, he's 
definitely going to be breathing down the neck of that 2k mark if he's he stays healthy yeah i mean it, it's crazy if he if he remains healthy what he's doing he had another highlight reel touchdown another highlight reel celebration another taking the phone fine, with the with the backflip <laughs> that was pretty sick especially on the actual phone angle of yeah. that and raheem mostert he reassured miami fans he said the kids out, Devin eight chains out. We'll, we'll be fine. We'll be just fine without him. I'll put up another hundred plus yards on the ground and three more touchdowns, adding to his already very impressive total this year as well, Jesse. Yeah, the Dolphins' run game is special. I mean, all the tricks that Mike McDaniel's has the the pre shift, the pre snap motion. He does all these different things. Uh, no, like he'll call the same run play and it'll just look completely different with some of the shifts that they do. I mean, it's incredible to watch them. Um, the defense, you know, they, they kind of struggled early, but they really stepped up uh, after the first, I would say, what, quarter and a half. Uh, Bradley Chubb and Christian Wilkins dominated on the defensive front for them. Uh, Wilkins, Wilkins had two sacks and Chubb had a sack, and Chubb was really good against the run as well. But I thought, you know, early on, I thought this, like, even in, it was a blowout and the Panthers got worked, but I thought this was Bryce Young's best game. He was threading the needle early. He was making some really nice passes. Um Adam Thielen is really playing some of the best football of his career at age It's crazy. It's He's incredible. looking insane this If they year, could bro. even have one or two other guys as talented as that for Bryce Young to work with, I mean, I could see Bryce Young playing a little bit better, but I did think that this was promising. I've been pretty hard and not very impressed with what I've seen from him, and he made a couple, more than a couple, he made some really nice throws in this game, Eli, even in a blowout. So. Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree, and I, I think he showed flashes as well against Detroit, too. Like, I think he's starting to gain a little more confidence, and it's good to see, you know? Like, he, they they, they gave up everything for this guy, right? Yeah. This this guy is their future, one way or another. Yeah. They're, they are committed to Bryce Young. They have no other place to go at this point, so they no matter how they end up finishing this year, the, these are types of even situations and games where they could build off of and build encouragement from. And like you say, if they find maybe one or two more pieces on this offense where he gets a little more chemistry with a couple guys. Maybe they look to make a move like we already Jerry heard Judy. rumors of in the in the, in the the trade deadline and bring in another big receiver. I mean, yeah, I think, I think there's definitely things that you could start being a little more positive about with Bryce Young, and he's starting to open up and throw the ball a little more downfield, which we like to see as well. And I, I believe Frank Reich said he's going to hand play calling duties off to as, Thomas Brown, as well too so it's interesting to see how that's gonna work out going forward too. I like them doing that heading into their bye week so it gives them the extra time to kind of practice and this will be a first time play caller but everybody seems in the organization spoke pretty highly of Thomas Brown so yeah and when you're 0 six you could get not? you could kind of take chances like yeah. that and just see how it plays out too right so but this is another game multiple games in a in a in a in a, in a row now multiple weeks in a row I should say where a corner press man on Tyreek Hill with no safety help and gets absolutely torched. You got to wonder why these defensive coordinators keep doing I mean, this is the fastest player the league has ever seen. And you're getting guys to press him on the line with no safety help. All that I could think is that they they want the guy pressing to like literally body him to the ground on the line, which is, it's not going to happen. Tyree kill, let alone being fast. He's strong too. And Listen, he has phenomenal balance 100%. and he'll, he will literally see space in behind and torch this guy every time. If, Listen, if Pat Sertan, who's the best press corner, press man corner in the game, can't do it, 
then nobody else should even be trying because it ain't gonna work. No. And, and he's, it's, you know, he tore Best case scenario, I guess you might knock him down one out of ten times. Worst case scenario, you're giving up nine touchdowns in ten times on exactly. that. So that that's that's some crazy stuff. And I, yeah, like you say, that's not the way to play this guy. You don't no. want to D him up like that ever because it's pissing me off. Yeah, man. you'll you'll be you'll be punished time and you, you don't need to make the game any easier for Mike McDaniel and this uh Dolphins offense that's no, absolutely for, that's sure, for man. sure man yeah I'm, I'm just really excited for next week's matchup against those Eagles I, I think that's going to be just a great great matchup on all sides of the ball there's just good individual battles all across the field in that game so that'll be that'll be a great game to watch next Sunday night the first real showtime primetime Sunday nighter that we've had this year so far we did say that about Cowboys Niners and I don't expect the team to get smashed out on this game though I think it should be a pretty even game um Two pretty good offenses. The the Dolphins defense, they're kind of starting to learn the Fangio scheme. They're getting better every single week. So I'm also really looking forward to this. Like I said earlier, I'm hoping Darius Slay and Jalen Carter can play because those are two uh, difference makers for that Eagles defense. And they're definitely going to need them versus this high-powered offense, Eli. Yeah, they are. They are. The, that, that'll be a great game to watch for sure, especially with the Eagles coming off that huge loss, pretty embarrassing loss, and all things considered to the Jets this week. So. And real quick, uh, what do you think Big Al did this weekend with Najee Harris on the bye week? You know, I, I bet you he was pretty depressed not being able to watch his boy play this week. I I know I was I know I, I know I'm always looking forward to some Najee Harris out there man. For I I need I need some good laughs with everything going so wrong with the New Orleans Saints and speaking of the New Orleans Saints it was Houston administering more punishment for the Saints twenty to thirteen win by Houston by the rookie C J Stroud who finally threw his first interception and New Orleans graciously gave him back the ball immediately fumbling that interception so that that was pretty comical and this was a game where Derek Carr finally threw for over 300 yards and our offense somehow still looked like shit and still looked like it was never gonna put up 20 points in this game so it's 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 sickening at this point I hate Pete Carmichael so much can't stand Dennis Allen I, I can't stand watching this football team we cannot lose a game like this to a young Houston team. These are the games that we literally need to win in order to win this division this year. And we just simply did not do enough. And our and it has nothing to do with our defense. Our defense continues to play phenomenal football week in and week out and giving us every opportunity to win. We could every game we played we could have won this year so oh, far. Yeah, it's not like you guys it's not like we you haven't guys. played any real talented team and that's not saying houston's not talented they're a very good young football team with a great coach and D'Amico ryan's but this is a game where the saints matching up against them they should be looking at this hungry like we're gonna dominate this game not only win this game the better, so. but the saints are the better team on paper for sure and uh like you said like you always say though you don't uh play games on paper and one team just looked hungrier than hungrier than the other, and that was the Houston Texans. Yeah, and this is I just want to say this is six games. Derek Carr's thrown five touchdowns. Five fucking touchdowns picks, in right? six games, dude. Yeah. We're paying this guy so much goddamn money to throw not even a touchdown a game on average is beyond sickening. It's twenty twenty two Russell Wilson vibe. Yeah, yeah, no, it really is in the worst way possible, but yeah, honestly, all I could say, though, is I've said it before, I'll say it again. CJ Stroud continues to just be remarkable as a young rookie. The way he processes the game, the confidence that he's playing with right now, it's like 
the whole city of Houston is rallying behind this team. They believe in this kid big time. And they think he could take them to the playoffs like this year already. And for good reason. 100%. He now, you know, he, he like you said, he, CJ Stroud threw his first interception of his career, but he went 191 attempts without before throwing that. And he also was not shook after no, throwing no. the interception. It did not knock his confidence no. one bit, which was and really impressive. Know, that touchdown that he threw to Dalton Schultz in the red zone, um, I was so impressed with that because. Uh, for a rookie, he gets off of his first read quicker than I think anyone, any rookie quarterback I've ever seen. I mean, he processes at such an elite level for such a young player, only in his... Uh, yeah, whatever that test they said yeah. he failed preseason, any scout, that's fucking bullshit. Don't even look into that for a second, because this kid's the real deal. No, oh, he's one of the... I mean, you could say he's a top 10 quarterback already. He's playing like one. He's been really impressive. He doesn't have a ton of playmakers, Uh, besides, like Nico Collins is... Is you know has his good games. Tank Dell has his good games. Uh, they still are struggling to run the ball. Like if Singletary is your leading rusher over Damian Pierce, I mean that's a bit of a problem. But you know C.J. Stroud is so aggressive uh, as a thrower. Uh, he's a machine. His his mechanics are incredible. The defense is fast, aggressive, and they're well coached. Um, you know Jerry Hughes, uh, Greenard, and Will Anderson all had seven pressures each. Um, as Chris Sims said, they're fucking the play up left, right, and center. Um, you know, this is a pretty young team and they're just really fun to watch. And I just don't think anybody expected this team to be three and three through six games, Eli. No, they definitely didn't. They're blowing away expectations and they're doing it in a very impressive way, playing a lot of attractive football on both sides of the field. And this was a big statement for the defense too, because CJ Stroud last week, if you guys remember, he almost administered a game-winning drive against the Falcons. Brilliant drive to get a touchdown, and the defense coughed up that game-winning field goal. So this was big, and they, they stuffed Carr and forced a, a game-ending turnover on 4th and 10 off of Derek Carr as well. So that's, that's a huge, huge uh, confidence builder for this young defense as well, too. And they deserve to win this game in the end, for sure. Rashid, uh, Rashid Shahid, dog. Yeah, Rashid, he, he remains one of the real lone bright spots in, in the Saints offense right now. He, he is the only guy that we will throw the ball past five yards to because Derek Carr won't throw it past five yards to Michael Thomas and he really never wants to throw the ball to Olave past 10 yards as well. I so. don't even know if Michael Thomas is capable of running yeah, past I don't five think, yards. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think he can at this point. But my, my main concern right now is Alvin Kamara because he's lost something. He's lost some explosion. He's lost some mobility. He's lost something because he's... He's getting a ton of touches and getting very little yards right now. And that's a little bit to the scheme as well on Pete Carmichael, making things very predictable to defend against him. But at the same time, he looks bulkier. He looks bigger and actually way more jacked. But I don't think that's a good thing for Alvin Kamara. I think he relies on his slippery mobility in space. So... That's something I'm going to keep an eye on going forward. He for looked the like he team. was about to commit another assault to Jameis Winston on the sideline, too. I don't know what the hell Jameis Winston <laughs> That had to be one saying. of the funniest videos of the entire week. He's yesterday. like rolling his eyes, putting his hands out like he just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, Jameis, Jameis even when he doesn't play, he has the ability to stop the internet, especially in the NFL spectrum. That was absolutely hilarious to watch. That, that kind of at least got me in a better mood after that horrible loss. But that, yeah, that was pretty funny. Saints were uh, 0-3 in the red zone uh, for scoring touchdowns they were moving the ball pretty, shocker they're moving the ball pretty well uh between the 20s but once they're inside the 20 there's a lot of empty yards because if you're not scoring touchdowns in the red zone you're not going to win many games eli and uh yeah it's 
a tough game this week uh, uh, coming up tomorrow. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm praying. I'm praying that uh, Trevor Lawrence is rested because if not, we're in for a tough time. Especially with both, we're in for a rockin' if he's playing. That's all. Especially I with say. both starting tackles uh, on the offensive line out and one one of the backup tackles out too. There's going to be a third stringer on the right side, and uh, that's not that good for a quarterback that's kind of struggling. A quarterback that is not really willing to stand in there and throw it deep. So I'm expecting another 15-catch, 25-yard game for Alvin Kamara. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can fucking count on it for the sure. The only good thing is like this I'm, <laughs> This is a home game for the Saints, so you know that crowd is going to be energetic. They're going to be passionate. They always are. And we'll see if like this, uh, you know, the, the New Orleans offense can kind of vibe off that crowd. I think that could be a key, but... Yeah, it's it's a tough matchup. I won't lie to you, man. Yeah, don't expect it. That's all I could say. I'm 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 past the point of hopefulness at this point. It's more like show me now. Yeah. If you don't show me now, then when is it gonna be? And if it ain't now, then get rid of Pete Carmichael. Get rid of Dennis Allen. Straight up. Maybe get rid of Derek Carr. Yeah, I mean that's that's a whole other story. Uh, Houston, huge win going into their bye week. They're sitting at five hundred once again, as we said, surpassing a lot of expectations from the start of the year. So. Great start for them. Great start for D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud yet again to his career. Uh, yeah, talk about shockers. Talk about upsets. San Francisco, 49ers, Cleveland Browns, minus Deshaun Watson, nineteen seventeen win for the Browns. And this was a true dogfight from the dog pound in this one. This, this was incredible, incredible battle on the defensive side of the ball. San Francisco, obviously, with two big injuries, losing... Debo Samuel, CMC, Christian McCaffrey in the game. And yeah, this was probably the worst we'll ever see Brock Purdy maybe play in his career. I, I, I didn't think he was really capable of playing this badly, to be honest with you, man. Yeah, I mean, he was overdue for a, uh, what was he, 12-0 and 0 as a starter before this? He was overdue for a, you know, a tough game. I mean, can't be perfect always, but... No, and Cleveland living up to that top-rated defense hype too. That that is no joke. This this is this defense is the real deal for sure. Kyle Shanahan is now one and nine all time versus Jim Schwartz defense. Whether that's as them being head coaches or offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. So, you know, Jim Schwartz has a really good feel for this um, 49ers offense for Kyle Shanahan's offense. You know, he hits the film hard. He can he can he knows all the tells, and uh, I thought this was a pretty interesting stat. Um, the Browns ran cover 151% of the game, and uh, that's just really impressive. I mean, they got the two corners in Greg Newsom and Denzel Ward, uh, in my opinion, the best corner duo in the league. I mean, I am a like obviously, you know how much I think of Pat Sertan. Um, I don't know if anybody's playing better cornerback. Uh, I don't know if anybody's playing better football at the cornerback position than Denzel Ward right now. He's playing really good football. And uh, this was just a physical game all around, physical the Browns came out with the 49ers patent it, uh, boombox, listening to rap, you know, to come out to the uh, other to team come song, out to the other team's shtick and lay an ass whooping like that. That is really impressive with a backup quarterback. And this backup quarterback had, he did everything in his power to help them lose the game. I mean, he really did that. DJ Walker had a couple was, of brutal, brutal that was interceptions. crazy when he almost threw a pick at the end of the game when they he tried to force that ball through like triple coverage yeah, in the end yeah. zone there too. That was nuts, I will man. say, um, I saw one of the most egregious penalties called on Tajon yeah. Gibson at the on the Browns final drive Awful. there. 
Um, he went shoulder to head. It wasn't helmet to helmet. I don't know what ounce you're supposed to do there. It is football at the end of the day. It is tackle football. Um, Not for long, according have, to Tom Brady, yeah. who says this league is transitioning to flag the, football. The, so savor the tackles while you can, because you're not going to see him much longer. The best part is, is this league is becoming soft as fuck because of Tom Brady. The, the, <laughs> the tuck rule 20 years ago, all this roughing the passer bullshit. Who benefited more in their whole career than this guy, Tom Brady? I mean, sit the fuck down, buddy. Anyways, back to this game. Um, really impressive win for the Browns. Amari Cooper, you know... Really clean route runner had a had a couple big catches. He can still get it done. Don't know why the Cowboys traded him for a fifth. Pretty hilarious. Um, yeah, Brock Purdy for as shitty as he played this game, I think he was like thirteen to twenty seven or in twelve twelve to twenty seven. So uh, he at the end of the game he still orchestrated I, that, a drive. That to drive give them a he chance was three to of seven yeah. for like 40, 42 yards on that drive, and you know the rookie kicker missed a forty one yard field goal to win the game so you know for as bad as he played uh he did show that in crunch time unlike justin herbert he can he can kind of try to get it done i mean he did everything he could there i think the browns should have won that or sorry the 49ers should have won that game but rookie kicker you live and you learn and they're gonna ride with him i mean they drafted that kid in the third round and he missed his only two kicks of the whole year this game yeah and you could tell he was heartbroken afterwards well he had his his, i don't know if you saw his entire family was at the game so that's that's pretty sad. Yeah. I feel for the kid. That is. I hope he can uh, bounce back Monday night. But um, yeah, it's gonna be. We're gonna have to monitor whether uh, what these injuries are like for CMC and Debo. I mean, they're both day to day. They both have a chance to play this week. Uh, if I was guessing, I I mean I, I these guys like Kyle Shanahan. You know, I love this guy. He needs to chill a bit on the touches that he's given CMC. I he mean, does. He there's does. times where they're just schlacking teams. And it's the fourth quarter, and they're up by like twenty points, and CMC still getting touches. He should never see the field. In no, those situations. man. And like they have Elijah. He's Mitchell, had his injury history exactly, too, right? Man. So, and he's like, you know, I, I, for as good as Debo Samuel is, CMC is the most important player on this offense besides Trent Williams, who also got banged up. But uh, Miles Garrett also he had over thirty percent pass rush win rate against Trent Williams. That's the the highest ever for a player against Trent Williams, who's a future huge. Hall of Fame left tackle. And Trent Williams really praised him after the game. He said that he's a Hall of Fame player to Miles Garrett. So that's just two uh, pros going at it. That was a fun battle to watch all game. But yeah, this was a, for a 1917 defensive uh, slugfest. This was a highly entertaining game for me. I mean, I love this sport. I don't need every game to be yeah, 30 filthy 30. conditions too. It was boring. Yeah, it was hard, it was this was hitting. just old school football, yeah. man. It was. And you know what? A, like for for us. For as many players as um, San Fran was missing, you got to remember, like you said, the Browns didn't have Deshaun Watson. They obviously don't have Nick Chubb. They didn't have uh, Bonito, their all-world guard. Um, they were missing players too. So On that, paper, they shouldn't have had a hope in hell to win this game, no, and they did no. win the game. Yeah. It's it's incredible. It keeps them in the race for their division still. It keeps absolutely. them absolutely feeling great. Jim going. Schwartz is... Him and Ben Johnson are going to be the probably, in my opinion, the two most sought after uh, head coach candidates after this year. I mean, what Jim Schwartz is doing with his defense in his first year is highly impressive. I mean, they're flying around, they're making plays. Uh, they got a bunch of good players. Their front seven is freaking wicked. Like we mentioned, they're two stud cornerbacks, and 
yeah, I mean, this this team, if they can just get anything going on offense, I mean, this team can be a real real dangerous threat uh, down the stretch, Eli. Yeah, and I think they're going to be feeling pretty confident going into Indianapolis, taking on the Colts next week, too. I believe they're going to feel like they could really win that game, no matter who's starting at quarterback, whether it's Deshaun, which it doesn't sound like it will be. It sounds like it will be Walker again. And... Uh, yeah, just monitoring all those injuries for San Fran going into Minnesota Monday night, and hopefully Debo Samuel doesn't get jumped by C.J. Gardner-Johnson in the middle of the week, too. <laughs> C.J. is talking all this shit. He can't even play yeah, right yeah, now. Man. Yeah, some, some heat and bullets going back and forth there, so that's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, no, in all seriousness, so San Fran going to be looking to get back on track right away against a very vulnerable Minnesota team for sure, and yeah, should be a good game, and Cleveland versus Indy next week. Um, who who's next on the list? We got Washington Commanders, baby. Best name in football. Oh, Taking on the Atlanta Falcons. 24-16 win. Game, this was a weird game. This was a very weird game. This was a tale of two halves in this game for sure. And this was a tale of ultimately turnovers in this game yeah. between two young quarterbacks. One of them didn't turn over the ball and one of them did turn over the ball. And the one that didn't turn over the ball won the game. And that was Sam Howell, who played very good in the first half and really almost didn't do anything in the entire second half. This game was crazy, actually. Yeah, it was so weird. The Falcons, you know, they had 13 more first downs than the Commanders, uh, 30 more plays ran, and 200 more yards of offense. They definitely were the better team on the field, but the self-inflicted uh, mistakes, the turnovers by Desmond Ritter, the timely turnovers in the red zone, couple terrible i mean he had three but a couple terrible interceptions in the red zone um i don't understand this team like they get i mean you you can just see how talented Bijan robinson is and for a team to get you know a, a running back of that caliber and to just take a step back from a year ago as a run team is like perplexing to me like i don't get it i don't get I, it I just don't get it dude um he should be touching the ball 25-plus times every game, running and receiving combined. He, yeah. he should be getting nearly 50-plus percent of their offense, and you're seeing Tyler Allegier get more rushes than him yeah. in some games. It, do, it doesn't make sense. It makes zero sense. Arthur Smith is pissing me off. Like That's some BS what you just said. Bijan Robinson, in my opinion, he's the best player on that offense. Um, I don't even think it's really my opinion. I think it's pretty consensus at this point. I mean, he's he's a dog. There's nothing he can do. I would be giving him like 15 to 20 carries and like 10 targets. I mean, this guy could play slot receiver full-time if he wanted to. Yeah, his pass catching is remarkable. Yeah, he he really can make good. crazy things happen out of absolutely nowhere. You know, between him and Drake, like Drake London has now shown up like two or three weeks Yeah, that's good to see because yeah. he, he, we know about his talent and yeah. he just has not been utilized properly whatsoever so far in his career. So it is good to see him get going in that offense for sure. This team just has everything i mean it's got a playoff defense it's got talent on the offense it's just a, like the continue to it's the continued question a quarterback with desmond ritter i mean you know it, for me i don't think this kid is that talented um i think he's smart i think he's a good leader but i don't see any juice on his balls <laughs> i know that sounds pretty funny <laughs> I don't see any juice in his throws, I guess I should say. Um, <laughs> you know, the walls just kind of flutter, and there's not a lot of power in it. And, you know, I think you could see that on the interceptions that he threw. But also, this this kid is fast. I mean, he's got wheels, and they don't use Yeah, his, they never roll him out running they never, or do any... They never. Yeah, they did last week against Houston. He had a rushing touchdown. But other than that, they don't use him in the run game. I think 
they could they could uh, incorporate a lot more zone reads, RPOs, and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, this is this is a perplexing team, man. You know, some weeks they look really good, other weeks they look incompetent to even get a first down. But uh, you know, Sam Howell he had three touchdowns, no turnovers. Um, he made the most of his 150 yards. Um, he did. He continues to every week. He puts. He's a really aggressive thrower, which I love for a quarterback who's like making only his seventh career start. Um, it's not always going to be perfect. You know, sometimes he's going to get himself in trouble with his aggressiveness, but, uh, not turning the ball over was huge in this one. And I I think this is three games in a row now where he's played pretty darn good football, whether or not they're winning them. And this was his first career, uh, three touchdown game, Eli. So good for him. Um, that's pretty to do that in the NFL. I mean, that's not a lot of people can say that. So good for him, man. Especially when he's getting sacked as much as he is adding to the lead league leading total that's 34 sacks on Sam Howell with in five six, more in six games yeah that's that's, that's an alarming amount he's on pace of, for like 90 something sacks yeah. I think the most ever was David Carr was like 76 or something. yeah I mean it, it's pretty crazy and speaking of sacks uh shout out Calais Campbell he just became the 41st person in NFL history to reach the 100 sack milestone so that's awesome for him he's been a stalwart like a true professional yeah. for his whole career so good good for him and also though. shout out von miller the uh active sack leader in the nfl yeah that's right yeah yeah, yeah 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 gotta give gotta give von his props also calais sure. campbell he donated a hundred thousand dollars um to all four uh he's played on four teams um uh baltimore jacksonville atlanta and there's another team that's um, it's not ringing a bell in my head, but he donated 25 grand to a school in each district where he played. So that just kind of shows you the kind of guy he is. He's a great guy, quality guy. He's from he's from Denver, so love the guy. Didn't play for the Broncos, though, just from Denver. So, yeah, shout out to him on a really um, borderline Hall of Fame career for him. Yeah, that is. That's, that's a big milestone one way or another for sure. And, uh, yeah, man, uh, like you were saying, though, Atlanta is just they're perplexing, dude. This is the second time in three weeks with uh, Desmond Ritter having three or more turnovers as well Mm -hmm. but I do believe we've probably seen his best football in flashes in the last two weeks too so I I think there is things to be positive about but he's definitely got a lot to clean up because this game this was theirs for the taking like straight up and straight forward they they dominated possession almost 40 to 20 minutes as well too so it's it's an astonishing loss and uh, uh credit to Washington's defense who's been fucking torched in every game this year except for this one too so that was big for the defense to get on track in this one Desmond Ritter he's got 11 games to kind of prove that he's the guy because this is a t- uh, really good QB draft coming in there's going to be also um some free agent quarterbacks uh Kirk Cousins Baker Mayfield so he's got 11 games to kind of show this staff uh, Arthur Blank the owner that he can be the guy moving forward and we'll see if he uh if he does that or if he continues to be inconsistent. Yeah, and the division's 100% for the taking for Atlanta as well still too. So it, it's a huge career-defining 11 games coming up for Desmond Ritter. So back over to London. London International Series, Baltimore Ravens, Tennessee Titans. Mm, pretty straightforward in this one. 24-16 win. 
for Baltimore. We saw Ryan Tannehill exit with the injury to everyone's delight for any neutral NFL fan. Probably his last game. Hates watching Ryan Tannehill play football because he's dog shit. For a first round pick. um, I hate saying that because I hate slandering people, but I just hate watching bad football as a neutral fan of teams as well at the same time. And that was just overwhelmingly painful to watch Ryan Tannehill in this game. For a first round draft pick back in 2012, he just continues to just fly under the radar with media. You know, a lot of these quarterbacks, um, first rounders and guys like that, who, when they struggle, like the way he does, they get uh, crucified in the media. And that How just, is this guy still in the NFL? That just shows you nobody gives a single fuck about this <laughs> yeah, guy. Man. Like, he's like somehow hiding his way to a yeah. job still. It's incredible. I personally think that he's played his last game as a Titan. Um, they got Malik Willis, second year QB. They got, uh, the first pick of the second round, I believe, uh, Will Levis. Levis yeah. Um, or not the first pick, but he was a second. He was a second round pick, and they traded up for him. So. Yeah. And I don't know, you know, Malik Willis, um, really talented guy, but you know, he holds on to the ball. I was just gonna say he showed good flashes, but also took some just horrible sacks he for hold, taking way too he much. He holds on to the ball, ball way too yeah. long. Some, sometimes he looks scared to throw. So I think he'll probably have it. He'll get the first crack. I don't think he'll have a long leash though, and I think eventually we'll see Will Levis get a shot to see what he has uh, moving forward. But. Yeah, this uh, Titans team, they don't have a lot to offer besides Derrick Henry on the offensive side. I mean, New Hopkins is a solid, like, number two receiver, but he, he doesn't run the same that he used to. Uh, he still makes contested catches, but they still have a really respectable defense, but... We yeah. might have seen Derrick Henry for the last time in Tennessee going into a bye week this yeah. week, too. Like, but there's you never big, know, man. There's, there's a big-time l- speculation and rumors right now that they're looking to move him potentially to a contender. 100%. So... And also with Baltimore, I mean, we heard all offseason how this team is going to throw the rock everywhere. They got OBJ, Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman, Nelson Aguilar, Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely, J.K. Dobbins, Justice Hill, Gus Edwards. You know, they got a good O-line and continuing, they just continue to be inconsistent throwing the football and you can just tell that they are better as a run first team. And that's not a knock to Lamar Jackson. He's throwing the ball pretty well. Um, I think he's improved dramatically as a pocket passer, especially uh, exactly. for sure. Just just his awareness in the pocket and his mobility inside the pocket this year has looked really good. Exactly. And, you know, uh, maybe Derrick Henry turns up in purple. That would be pretty cool. I mean, they could definitely use that. Um, you know, for I respect Gus Edwards. I respect Justice Hill, but they are no Derrick Henry. They are no RB one in my opinion. They are good players, though. Nothing against them. But, uh, yeah, Derrick Henry would be a great addition to this team. Um, yeah, um, they just, they, they, they need one of their receivers to step up. I mean, Zay Flowers is shifty. He's a joystick. He's explosive in space, but he's a smaller receiver. He, he's not going to make those contested tough catches. OBJ, you know, he had a nice, like, 30-yard slant, which kind of, he kind of turned back the clock on that one. But he had, like, what, two or three catches. Uh, he kind of kicked Jeffrey Simmons on a play. And apparently after the game, they uh, just, uh, Jeffrey Simmons and OBJ got into a fight. This is according to Marlon Humphreys. And the Ravens had to call security uh, so OBJ didn't get his ass kicked. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons is one of the baddest dudes in the league. <laughs> That's crazy. He's a defensive yeah, tackle. I don't know why OBJ is trying to... I mean, OBJ is just a, still... I mean, you're 30, I think it, I think it's frustrations boiling over from his inability to stay healthy more than anything. Yeah. I think... OBJ, we know about his talent, man. Like he, he was literally one of the best, most exciting receivers in all of football for yeah. a long time in New York, and he's been 
really battling the injury bug for about three or four years now, but his talent remains there. And I think, I think that speaks out of character to him to do that. We, we know about his lighthearted, uh, ego as well. He, he he loves to have fun. He loves to dance around. That's a very shocking thing for him to do after a game, especially a game where they won for him to get involved. I, I think, I think frustrations are boiling over for, just, just his overall health and the way that he he has an inability to impact games right now. But hopefully he gets that figured out. Also, Kyle Hamilton with a pretty egregious uh, headshot where he got ejected. I mean, that was pretty bad. That was ugly, man. Yeah, yeah that's that's the type of stuff you don't want to see in in football. That's that's what's gonna make it a good flag football league for Tom Brady to watch going forward if shit like that keeps yeah, happening. Yeah, he, he probably thought that was a clean hit. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, that's what he wants that's to fucking see. Fucking grandpa, man. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so. So that was a first ever NFL touchdown for Zay Flowers. As you spoke, he, he has that ability to be the guy on offense, the guy creating space and creating uh, electric moves. But they, they've really got to find another big body other than Mark Andrews to get those contested grabs and expand the field for Lamar Jackson for sure. But I got to wonder if they kind of like there was a lot of rumblings early in the year uh, before the season started that they were interested in trading for Cortland Sutton. And I think that's like, you know, Corlin Sutton, he's not a superstar or anything, but he's a really good contested catch guy. And I think that's the kind of player they're lacking. They need a bigger, like you said, a bigger receiver that can go up and make some tough catches. Uh, I think he'd be an interesting fit for sure. And I I do like if if this trade rumor is real with Derrick Henry, I think this is the team that makes the most sense to me too is Baltimore. Um, They have a Super Bowl roster and they haven't... They're missing one or two pieces and that might be the pieces. Exactly. They're four and two. They haven't played their best football yet, but they they got a really good defense. Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, Marlon Humphrey is a good good defensive line. Jadavian Clowney has 29 pressures this year uh, through six games. He had 29 pressures all of last year in Cleveland. So, you know, he's playing some good football. Um, it's a talented team, but yeah, I think Derrick Henry would take them over the top. Um, yeah, yeah I, if I, that happens, that'd be crazy. And again, that'd be another prediction by the Gridiron Gang pod crew. So yeah, keep an eye on that. Keep an eye. We're, we're, we're coming in hot with these predictions yeah, right now. Yeah. So definitely remember that one. Um, yeah, and it's a huge game for Baltimore to roll into next week against Detroit, who's red hot right now, too. I think that'll be one of the best games on next week's Sunday slate to keep an eye on, too. And as I just mentioned, Tennessee going into a bye week, maybe we've seen the last of Derrick Henry in that colored uniform. We'll keep an eye on that for sure. Uh so I guess that brings us to the last game of the week, the first game of the week, I should say, and... Uh, I don't know what what more is there to say, dude. It's shout out Ross, Denver Broncos, Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City Thursday night football. Electricity in the air, baby. Especially from Denver's offense in this one, and especially from Russell Wilson. Yeah, Russell Wilson finished with ninety five passing yards in a sixty minute football game. I Fuck think yeah, if my bud. math adds up, that's less than an entire football field yeah in one game sure is buddy <laughs> and uh you know we're paying this guy 245 mil to throw for 95 yards um no the chiefs have a really good defense but that's uh that's fucking pathetic straight up uh my dog sean payton called the timeout uh towards the end of the half there he thought it was third down uh, i don't know what's going on with him 
but dark uh eyes man dark eyes this is looking like he's like days. smoking meth his eyes are so dark man it's crazy man it's tripping me out but i don't think he's been sleeping good this year man i mean i know he doesn't sleep this guy talks about <laughs> stay like we said before on this podcast he stays up till 3 a.m drinking coca-cola sipping uh lighting candles drawing up plays and some of the plays he's drawn up you know there are guys open russ is just being a clown not throwing the ball there you know once he threw that second interception uh, there was four straight dropbacks where he just ran the ball. I mean, buddy literally thought he was a running back at that point, you know. <laughs> but uh, I just want to say, as a you know, I'm a diehard Broncos fan. Wear my heart on my sleeve. Got fucking Bronco tatted on my thigh. I love this shit. Gonna I bleed orange and blue. I was so proud of this defense, man. They, I thought they played an exceptional game for all the struggles they have had all year, the scrutiny and all of that. You know, to hold. I know this is not your the same. Uh, Kansas City offense as years past, but to hold them under 20 points, uh, they should have won the game. Like, if the offense just showed up, that was a winnable game. Um, J-Mac, uh, Jaquan McMillan, uh, he's our uh, nickel corner. He had three tackles for losses as a as a, as a, as a corner. That's, he's been looking better every week. He's getting dude, better man. every yeah. week. He's a hidden gem on this defense. You know, Pat Sertan, you know, I like I know you that was one of your favorite plays on that screen pass. That was an incredible that, that that kind of had like the memory of DK Metcalf chasing down Buda Baker yeah. the other year. Like it was just an incredible, remarkable effort from him coming out of nowhere yeah. in that play to chase down and save that touchdown, even though the play ended up being called back. That's the type of leader that Denver needs, and that he he is a leader on that team. Yeah, man, and like that's infectious type of play. You know, for as poor as this season has been, to see that kind of effort when things aren't going right, like that's why this guy, I, I like, I, I'll, I I speak so highly of him. Like he's he's a great player. He has absolutely no ego. Uh, you know, his father was a great player. He's he's taught the right way. So. You know, that was a great play. Justin Simmons, you know, fourth interception on Pat Mahomes. You know, he continues, <laughs> his number, man. He continues yeah. to be a ball hawk uh, for Denver. And, uh, yeah, man, Jerry Judy, you know, they got to get him going. He's a talented receiver. Three catches for 14 yards. That's not, that's that not, it. that ain't it. Uh, he's better than that. Uh, Sean Payne needs to be better than that. He needs to be scheming him more. He should be our priority as a, as a, in our pass game. Uh, he, he's our most talented receiver. Um, I would love to see Marvin Mims play more than 12 snaps. He didn't have a single target. He leads the league in yards uh, per catch. Uh, and he and it's like 25 or 26 yards per catch. And in second place is Tyreek Hill at 19.4. So, And you just look at the targets that Tyreek Hill has compared to the targets that Marvin Mims has. Not saying they're the same player, no, but that's no, the no, type of, of impact that he can make. And when you see numbers like that, when people pay so close attention to analytics and sports in general now... It's kind of mind blowing to not try to get him the ball more and make things happen. I, I completely agree. And I just I also want to say like Javante Williams, this was the best uh, he's looked since his devastating injury last year. Um, I'm I'm really proud that he was even ready to go to start the year, but you could tell he wasn't a hundred percent. And then just missing the game last week, he looked uh, explosive this game. He was breaking a lot of tackles. You know, that first drive on, on the third down, he got tackled in the backfield and spun off two guys and continued for like 10 or 15 yards. Um, I hate the fact that he only had 10 carries. He had 52 yards rushing, 5.2 per pop. He needs to get 20 carries. He's one of the most talented backs. Um, I know I'm a Broncos fan, but, you know, I, I watch all the teams, man. He's a talented back. He runs hard. 
and he deserves better from uh, Sean Payton and this coaching staff. And that's not taking anything from Jaleel. Jaleel needs to get his touches too, but we need to be a run-first team. Uh, that's how we're built. But, uh, yeah, other than that, you know, the offense, they really struggled in the past game. Uh, Russell Wilson just looking looking like he's burnt toast. He's looking like his I – don't, I don't think he's going to be on the team next year personally, even if he turns it around. Him and Champagne just are complete opposites. Like, Russ, you got to stop kissing babies and shit, like you said. Like, where's that dog? Where's that passion? You know, you got to demand greatness. I don't I, – like, there's no way he hasn't lost the locker room, Eli, in his first year and a half as a Bronco. Yeah, you question the heart, man. When you watch him, you question the character, you know? And that's not what you want to question from a franchise quarterback ever is their heart and their will and determination to win. And he seems emotionless and robotic to me at times. I, I and say all saying the time. what people want him to hear. You know, yeah. like, they, he, he keeps saying what he thinks the media wants him to hear it's not rather than just be himself and be proud of who you are and lead this team proudly, no matter what the record is. I, I just think, yeah, you got to really... You got to demand more from yourself. Like you say, you got to take a look in the mirror. You got to say, you know what? You were brought here on a huge contract to be a leader. A top five pick. You know what I mean? And he, he he, literally was one of the best players of all time in his time at Seattle. He made incredible things happen time and time again on that team. Yep. And he literally looks like a different human being in these colors. It's, it's crazy. Th- he's man. moving well. Like, he doesn't look like he's lost a step. Way better than last year. Yeah, he's lost a weight. He's moving well. The thing that pisses me off with him is he never takes accountability for... it's. It hasn't been perfect with Sean Payton, but at least after the game, like, I watch all the press conferences. He, he, he took accountability for that piss-poor timeout. He took accountability for some of the play calls that were pretty bad. And Russell Wilson just goes up there and, you know... He's staring fucking through guys like for over three seconds and then throws the ball and it's getting tipped and intercepted. He's throwing the ball right to Nick Bolton for an interception and he's just saying, oh yeah, the defense are making great plays. Like, no, buddy. Like, you're staring at Cortland Sutton for three seconds and throwing the ball. Like, you need to take some accountability, show some leadership, man. Like, it's it's driving me crazy. Enough with the Broncos. Uh, Travis Kelsey, another great game, 9 for 124. Majority of that in the first half. I think 109 yards in the first half with Taylor Swift uh, in attendance. Yeah, so, and know. playing with a bang. You can tell he's not moving yeah, great right now, no. but he's still impacting and leading this team for sure, receiving-wise. Yeah. Um, just no quit out of Mahomes, too. You know, it's no. not. It hasn't been easy for them this year, but he, he's still getting it done. They're 5-1. and one. He's just the best player in the league straight up. Either way, this team should not be 5-1. and one. No. They're not good enough. If this team had Russell Wilson, they'd be 0-6, bro. Yeah, they de- <laughs> they definitely could be. So that just speaks to how good and just the will that Mahomes has to win. Um, Yeah, boy, are they loving Chris Jones back, too. That's now eight straight games with a sack in the regular yeah. season for Chris Jones. He just continues to impact the game. He's going to get paid in the offseason. I don't know if it's going to be by the Chiefs, yeah. but he's going to get whatever he deserves. Uh, maybe you come over to Denver, big dog. We yeah. need you. Yeah, yeah, and he deserves a lot for sure. But like, yeah, like you say, man, like, this Chiefs team does not look good this year by any means. Like, they're just talent-wise, they are nowhere near the team that they used to be, but they do have the best quarterback in the league. And, and maybe I can't, the best coach. I can't stress that enough. And easily one of the top coaches and probably the arguably, I mean, there's no question about it, the best tight end as well and yeah. one of the best defenses. So they're, they're going to definitely be there. Yeah. Come the end of the yeah. year, I don't know if they're gonna win those big games again or not. That remains to be seen. But exactly, that's that's exactly what it'll be this year for Kansas City. And 
yeah, it should be another entertaining game against the Chargers, who you know will play it close and probably lose in the end. Yet again, it'll come down to Herbert Sand in that one, (laughs) most likely. So, yeah, that's one coming forward. And Denver, who do you guys got up next, man? Packers at home at Denver. Um, My dog, my favorite Bronco, Baron Browning, making his season debut. Um, I'm sure he'll be on some sort of pitch count, given how fucking ridiculous Sean Payton is. Uh, probably 12 snaps, you know, something retarded like that. But, or he uh, might just play him every single play because Sean Payne's nuts in the head I'm like honestly that. cool with that because <laughs> for as good as Nick Benito is, for as good as Jonathan Cooper is, I firmly believe that uh, Baron Browning's our best pass rusher. He's an insane athlete. He's only been pass rushing for uh, – this is his second year pass rushing. He was drafted as an inside linebacker. He was uh, the third best graded athlete in his draft behind Mika Parsons and, and uh, Jimmy Davis, a uh, linebacker for the – commanders so yeah that just shows you and and he really popped last year you know he's got like he had like five sacks and like 10 starts and and he had a couple of games where he his first start he had over 50 percent pressure rate uh so i'm really looking forward to him hopefully he can bring some juice to this front and uh, it's it's honestly a winnable game for the broncos it should be a it should be a fun game between two young teams and uh yeah let's let's ride baby let's ride broncos let's ride so i guess that'll bring us into our Gridiron Gang Performers of the Week, Jesse, after we wrap that one up. Um, I believe we decided on Jordan Hicks for yeah. the Defensive Player of the Week. He had 10 tackles combined. He had a key touchdown recovery fumble and also an interception. He quite literally single-handedly won the game in the end for the Minnesota Vikings He's in that one game. He's one of two players on that team that showed up as, along with uh, Daniel Hunter. Yep, that's right. So Minnesota owes all respects to them for winning that game. So that'll be your defensive player of the week. Uh, uh, D, uh, defense, or rookie of the week, we're going to go with uh, Devin Witherspoon. Spoon. He, uh, he play, he's playing really good football. He's an absolute dog. He had three pass breakups. He held Jamar Chase to zero catches on his uh, three targets uh, guarding him. And uh, it's really impressive because he's playing nickel, and he didn't play nickel at all in college. So just to, to – that's and it's not easy playing nickel, and he's really good at blitzing too. So, yeah, he's he's been really good. And uh, coordinator of the week, I think we went with Robert Sala, right, for the yep. New York Jets. Uh, great defensive performance. Uh, he's, he's obviously their head coach, but – uh he's uh yeah great defensive performance missing sauce Gardner, missing dj reed uh dj reed jr and uh just you know forcing the four turnovers on hertz holding that run game in check uh huge win for the jets heading into their bye week it really was and i think we decided on raheem mostert for the offensive player of the week like everyone was talking what are they going to do without the star rookie devon a chain and mostert he answered the call. He came up with three more touchdowns. He's now had 11 touchdowns this year already in six weeks. That's yeah. a crazy... He's doing cra- it in the run game. He's doing it in the pass game. Crazy pace. Yeah, over 100 rush yards and two TDs on the ground and adding a touchdown in the air as well. So he's well-deserved for that one in a week where there was some less less than standout offensive performers the, compared to other weeks so far. All of the big... Like all of the like the high like besides Jared Goff, all the quarterbacks with the most yards this week, they ended up taking the loss. Um, it was a defensive week for sure in the NFL. The cold weather is starting to come in. November is approaching, and uh, yeah, it was a it was an interesting week, Eli. I mean, it was fun to cover, obviously as always, but a couple of big upsets, a couple of fun games, and looking forward to week seven. Yeah, that's that's for sure. It was quite literally crazy with a couple of those upsets, Philly and. San Fran losing most notably for sure. But yeah, great week of football as always. And 
we got our eye looking forward with a lot of things happening and cooking on teams heading into the trade deadline at the end of the month as well. So very interesting time going forward into the middle of the season now for the NFL and we'll be there keeping track of it coming back yet again next week. So we're looking forward to that. I guess we're signing off from the Gridiron Gang. From the dungeon. From the dungeon, from the cooking room, in the lab. I'm Eli. I'm Juice. We out. Let's ride.